You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and happy Friday. Happy Friday and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Hope everyone is doing well and thank you for joining myself and Sean Barrett for part three of our trade season match.com series. Uh, We are here and we are exploring way out west, the AL West. We are deep diving there, digging into trade partners for the Marlins with every single AL West team. Um, It's fair to say that this has so far been the toughest division for me personally. Sean is nodding his head too. This is tricky for us, both myself and Sean. We are based and live in the UK. The West Coast, the time difference is probably, what, eight, nine, ten hours, depending on which time of the year. We don't see a lot of West Coast baseball, particularly AL West Coast baseball. So that makes things a little bit tricky for us. We just haven't had the eyeballs on these teams. This is the the set of teams I would say I've had the least amount of eyeballs on ever. I was texting a good friend of mine, Nick, who is a big Angels fan and stays up to watch the games. I was texting him last year at some point, quite a way into the season, saying to him, I've never seen a showy Otani at bat. Never, never, ever. Which is wild considering the season he was having how big of a name he is, I'd never seen an at-bat. I've rectified that now. But anyway, Sean Barrett, welcome back to the show. Part three, episode three. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I've, uh, as you said, the Air West is crazy. I've no idea what time it is, what time zone we're in, or no. what we're on. But we'll make the best of it. We absolutely will. We'll find some, we'll find some trades. What I've realized from Twitter is all the Twitter wants... And all the listeners want is for the Marlins just to rinse everyone. They just want you to be rinsed. That's all they want. But to remind you, if you haven't listened to any of the other episodes, this is a win-win trade proposal from both of us for every, in this case, every AL West uh, team. We've already done the AL Central. We've already done the AL East. We are now into the AL West on a Friday. We are, the two of us, back next week. For the AL, sorry, the NL rundown. So we're going to be starting out west uh, next week and coming all the way back to east, alphabetical in the divisions, meaning the Washington Nationals will be the last team that a trade proposal is submitted to. So without further ado, we better get into the AL West. And where do we start? We start with the Houston Astros. Um, when I got into these guys, it was. Oh, the funny thing with the Astros, they've been good for a while, but they've obviously, you were doing this um, at the end of December and clearly we don't know what they're going to do at shortstop. They've obviously lost Carlos Correa. Um, There's a few spots that have opened up. When I look at the Astros in general, their needs seem to sync with the Marlins needs. So I think that's a little bit of a tricky thing when I looked at it. They have a need at center field. They were, I believe, in on Starling Marte. They haven't managed to get a deal done. So actually, I think the Astros and Marlins are going to be bidding and trying to work similar deals this year. Center field's a need. Shortstop for them is now a need for now. Relievers are a need. They need relievers too. Um, starters, they look they look okay from, a, from an SP perspective. So the Marlins' strength um, and the Marlins' needs, I think, sinks With the Astros, the Astros lineup, though, is stacked. It still is stacked, other than they're missing a center fielder right now. And I'm interested to see how they address that. But that's my long-winded way of saying that this isn't the easiest one to find a blockbuster that makes sense. I don't think there's a blockbuster in this. But, Sean Barrett, how did you see the Marlins-Astros coming together? I think you're absolutely right, but this is not a blockbuster I'm probably going to name a player from the Astros that Marlin fans don't know, and I'll probably name a Marlin's player that the Astros don't know. I think, realistically, the Astros uh, so far, across all the AL teams, 
probably the most complete team out there. As you said, you know, they've got a couple of holes in centre field um, and, and a few other places, but realistically, I think that they probably win the division and I think they probably win it quite handedly next year. Um, trash cans, you know, be damned. Uh, but realistically, for the Marlins and the Astros, I don't see this massive trade. I think I've tried to sort of piece together a trade with with a concept in mind. Um, so you look at what the Marlins did last year, they had no depth and they were bringing players up that realistically, ideally, they wouldn't have done. And we, we had Devers up last year um, who really shouldn't have been up into the minors and they, they forced the issue and he came up and he wasn't great. But he's on the 40 man now, we've used the year um, and I think realistically he should probably be designated and he'll probably pass through waivers. But I tried to just piece together a trade. So I went through the Astros. The Astros are major league heavy. They haven't got any top prospects. There just isn't anyone in, in the minors for them. But they've got one guy that kind of interested me, not through stats because the stats weren't there, but just through analysis, some of the, net, some of the words that we used. So they've got a guy called Gray Kessinger. He's very similar to Devers. He's a defensive first kind of guy. He's just not got much in the way of back. It's all pretty average, you know, a 45 on the on the 2080 scale. But just some of the words that we use to describe him. I'm going to get my reading glasses on now. <laughs> and um, it was oh, not very toolsy, and both his contact ability and power will likely end up shy of average at maturity. But his ability to do literally everything will probably enable him to play for a decade in the major leagues. That's a guy that I think is realistically available uh, to the Marlins. And that analysis and whoever wrote that is obviously a big fan. And another thing that I've read about him was need only be a 90 WRC plus to be a valuable major league baseball player. So what we're saying is he's a defensive first guy who is going to be pretty average. It's not going to be, you know, they're not going to be 30 home runs. It's not going to be 30 stolen bases. He's just going to be average. And I think there is absolutely value for the Marlins through rebuilding years, through building up into competitive years and through competitive years for players like that. There was could possibly have been a guy like that. But unfortunately, he was brought up too early and they've probably spoiled that. If he can get lightning in a bottle and the Astros can fit him in somewhere, I think he could probably squeeze in. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's a really difficult ask to try and get a trade with the Astros at the moment for the Marlins. Ah, Sean, I like your thinking. I'm... In a similar spot, I, the, the Devers situation was interesting from last year and leaves, uh, for me, actually he played well, but he struggled initially and then he, he did adjust and, you know, did show something Devers, which I think was encouraging. Um, but nevertheless, the clock has now started on him way too early and that means that we're in a bit of a bind with him. We're going to be in a Mag Sierra bind with him where he's, you know, mid twenties and out of options. And you're like, oh, okay, what do you do? He's still not ready or, you know, he's forced into major league action too early. And so I, I, I like the idea and the suggestion. I as well, like I said, this isn't the blockbuster one. I mean, I wanted to get into a blockbuster for Bregman, but it just doesn't make sense right now for the Astros to um, sell Bregman whatsoever. Um, so I, I'm going, I, I think we send a reliever to the Astros, actually. And not a major reliever. Uh, you know, they, they seem to be happy just piecing together ex-Marlins. They have been. They took Yimi Garcia. They had Stanek as well. Um, so they're happy piecing together arms from the Marlins. Um, but there's a really intriguing name in the Astros system that I spotted. So I think we'll go and the Marlins try to get a deal done with him. And it was back, it was a few years ago, but they had a guy called uh, Freudis Nova, 
who the Marlins had signed an interna- had an international signing deal done. And then it fell apart because he failed um, some drugs test um, and was ended up had some kind of PD related issues. So the Marlins had a deal in principle for him. It fell apart. So I think the Marlins now finally go and get this guy. He's young. He is only, uh, he's only 21 still. Is that right? Hold on a minute. Is he, is he 21? He is 21. He's almost 22. So he's still young. Um, but the Marlins clearly liked him a few years ago. They go and get him and they send back um, a reliever of sorts. And it's kind of like a take your pick situation. But the guy I think that they end up sending back was a guy that came out of nowhere and pitched well. But Stephen Okert, Stephen Okert goes to the Astros absolutely performed for the Marlins. It was, I mean, I'd never heard of him, came out of nowhere, but pitched great in August and September when we needed him, when we'd already sold everyone. So Oka to the Astros to effectively replace Yimmy Garcia and Stanek, more Stanek actually, and then they get uh, Nova back from the Astros. So minor deal, um, a player that the Marlins liked, there was an issue. He's been okay in the minor leagues, nothing great, but... You never know with these young dudes. And I think the Marlins take a chance, add him to the system, and they move on from Okert that really they they picked up for free anyway. And, um, you know, flip him and, and add to the, uh, the depth in the farm. So there we go. Astros, Marlins, blockbuster to get it all rolling. Um, it just isn't a good fit right now for a win-win major league thing. The Astros want to keep contending. Um, the Marlins needs and the Astros needs for me are exactly the same. And so it makes it a tough trade partner for us. So let's get into one that I think does match up. And this is the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim, the LA angels. And we already know there was a trade in the works. We know they definitely need pitching. We know that they have tons of outfield options. Sean Barrett, are you going to go back down this path? Are you going to revisit it or are you going to go a different direction? I, I'm pretty certain I know where you're going. I know <laughs> you do. They're in the angels that you rather have your eye on. So Correct. I'm going to go a bit of a different direction and, and fill the other hole for the Marlins. And that is in the bullpen. I think, you know, that is obviously when you're looking at any team and a realistic win win trade for the Marlins, when, you know, you start at center field and you start at the bullpen. And you go from there because that's realistically where the Marlins are going to be looking. And there's a there's a reliever on on the Angels called Backman, who I rather kind of like the look of. And you know he's got a, he's got a good fastball, he's got a good slider, but it's changeup. And and again, does a does a reliever really need three pitches? Not really. You know a, a high quality fastball and a high quality slider really work quite well in the bullpen but what are the Marlins really really good at over the last couple of years is developing that change up mm-hmm. if you can have a guy in the in the in the bullpen with three elite pitches you really are working with something quite there there's a bit of a control issue but then you could say that about 50 percent of the, the relievers in in baseball at the moment so I think he's a genuine interesting bullpen piece for the Marlins. What do the Angels need? I mean, the same thing every team in baseball needs. They need arms. They need innings. And so I try to, as I said in previous pods, I try to not link the same player to multiple teams. I try to spread the love. But I can't help but see that Alicia is a good fit here. You know, at the end of the day, the Marlins are realistically going to trade from their starting pitching depth um, to fill in the gaps at centre field and in the bullpen. And I just see it as a good fit. I think Backman, if you can get either his changeup improved or improving his con- control, he could be that eighth or ninth guy for the Marlins. And as I said, the Angels need that extra couple of innings from their, the rotation. I think it's a good fit. I like it, mate. I like the fit. It, it, the Angels-Marlins tie-up is just so obvious. It really is like you go in many, many different directions than this one. So um, they need arms. We have arms. 
with that being said, we can pretty much try and broker any kind of deal that we really want. Um, and the Angels, they, they have to do something. Like, they're under pressure to do something, clearly, because they've spent some serious bucks and they've got Mike Trout that hasn't been to the... I mean, they even missed the expanded postseason. And so, you know, Trout, Trout's been hurt. He's starting to get hurt. Maybe, you know, it's declining and will decline. Rendon hasn't really kind of kicked on massively, I don't think, either. But there's a lot of pressure on them there to, to actually you know, give themselves the pitching to back up some of these offensive studs. And so I'm for this one, I'm just, I, I was clear as, as day when we got into this, I've already talked about it. I, a lot of people, when we've put this out, the Max Meyer, Brandon Marsh thing, when we revisit this now a few months on, Marlins fans are like, absolutely no. Angels fans, absolutely no. Both of them don't like this trade. They like Marsh. We like Maya. It still feels like a good fit, but I'm I'm going away from that. I'm sticking with my Joe Adele one. I feel like the Joe Adele allure has is, is faded in the past few years. Joe, Joe Adele was, uh, I think, a more highly ranked prospect than, than um, Brandon Marsh you know, a few years ago. Uh, it clearly hasn't. It's kind of stalled. But I think it's time to re-energize that career. Joe Adele, Dax Fulton, one for one, posted in, get it, get it cracking. The Angels, I'm not sure they're convinced on Joe Adele anymore. Dax Fulton, I like. The upside's great. It isn't going to help them right now. So that is the only stickler there. Maybe if they wanted major league pitching, then that's a different question. But Dax for uh, Joe Adele works. If they want a major league guy, hmm, then perhaps... You know, perhaps you look at, you, you maybe look at Sixto, perhaps, but, you know, we're in that kind of area. I, I think, I don't know. It goes back to what I said a few days ago about whether if the Marlins want to move Sixto, if they've made their own decision, then Sixto for Adele works too. But in terms of value and where they're at right now, I, I love Fulton, actually. I really like Dax Fulton as a prospect. and. Um, I think the angels need to do something there, trade away some value there from the outfield. So yeah, big Dax um, for Joe Adele, probably that favors the Marlins right now, maybe doesn't answer the, the angels immediate need. And so with that being said, six for Joe Adele is possible. Six for Brandon Marsh is also possible. Um, you know, I guess it's up for debate which way they go, but it's just an obvious fit. Um, I feel like, if they want to make something happen here, they could. Craig Mish said nothing has nothing started again after the deadline. So talks have gone quiet. Everyone's thinking about their own interests right now. And you know, I'm I'm surprised that you know, I don't think masses has changed with Maya or Marsh since that moment. So I'm surprised that it's gone stone cold if it went that close. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see if things are revived. But yeah, that's my one on the Angels, I guess. Not a surprise to you, Sean, that I was going outfield with a pitcher. Um, there's so many ways that could play out. But, you know, I think that's kind of been, you know, a path we've already been down before. So um, if we're happy, we'll get into the first ad of the day. Why not, eh? It's time. It is time. So... First out of the day, US ad, British twist. It is the guys over at Built Bar, of course. And it is the new year. It literally is the new year. So uh, first of all, happy new year. If you listen to this on the day, uh, which is which will be Friday, it's New Year's Eve. So hope you have some great celebrations and uh, wish everyone a happy, happy new year and a happy 22. Um, so Built Bar, it is the new year. It means New Year's resolution season. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bars in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. Boy, oh boy, dude, stay away from those ones. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So here's an idea. Go and grab your Built Bar. Head over to Built.com. Use promo code 
LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order at Built.com. So many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie. You know that's my favorite. Raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. So many, so many flavors. And they're always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com and see what's new. All right, buddy, let's keep it rolling here. That is the Astros and the Angels done. We are now into the Oakland A's, and this is a very intriguing situation. And I think there could be some nice fits here too. The Angels, I think, is a good fit. I think the A's could be too. Sean, how you seeing this one? Uh, yeah, I think this is probably the most exciting of the trade ideas I've got, and it's probably the most out there trade that I've got. So I think that Oakland are done as far as competing. The window's closed. I think that they're, they're looking to rebuild. I think they're going to push that button this year. And there's a player that I've looked at for a long time um, across the league, and that's Chapman. Uh, so he is an elite third baseman. And, and what are we talking about as far as the Marlins? What are we doing with B.A.? Is he healthy? Will he be ready for the, the beginning of the season? We've got Wendell, or the Marlins have got Wendell now, and, and that could be that kind of security blanket. But why not go the whole hog? Why not fill in that gap to begin the season and know that that is locked in? When B.A. comes back, he can play in right field, he can play across the third base. I've spoken already about the idea of flexing players across and having that depth that we just did not have last year. I like Chapman. So he's owed nine and a half million this year in his second year of arbitration. So he's going to be a, realistically a two-year rental, you know, or a one and a half year rental and trade him in July in 2023. See how it goes. But I really like him. Now, if, if you were to ask me off the top of my head, who is the best third base player defensively? The guy that gets all the, the gold gloves? Salonardo. That's, mm. that's, that's where my head goes. That's where I'm sure your head goes, and that's where everyone heads go. From 2017, when Chapman was a, a full-time Major League third baseman, he beats Salonardo in defensive run saved. 78 to 71. UCR, 47.3 versus 37. He is, in my opinion, and the stats back it up, he is the best defensive third baseman in baseball. Wow. That is a value. You put that together with Miggy at shortstop. You put that with Aggie or Coop or Lewin at first base. That is an elite defensive you know, Chisholm is probably average at best, but across the whole diamond, you're looking at an elite defense with pitchers who are, you know, you've got Sandy, you've got the bullpen designed to be ground ball pitchers. I think that is genuinely a great idea. Now, Chapman, yes, great defensively. What's he like with the bat? You know, over, the, over his career, he's a top 10 WRC plus of 120 at third base. He's fifth in war. It's not just the, the glove. He is an elite third baseman. Mm -hmm. Why would he be available? Because, as I said, the athletics just aren't competing. And he is on an expiring deal. Are they going to extend him? I just don't see it. I don't see the money there. The athletics, you know, genuinely are a team that, that work within the margins. They aren't that big budget team. They've got to try and compete in the margins. I think Chapman is available and it's going to cost a little bit, of course, but I've matched up the values as best as I can see. And I'm looking at a deal with Edward Cabrera and Nunes. You know, they're, they're, they're both going to be major league players in the next couple of years. Edward Cabrera already had a little bit of feel in the majors, he could be a, a number two or a number three starting pitcher. Munez could be a, a starting shortstop for through his minor league, through his major league minimum and arbitration years. I think that's a fair deal for both sides. 
and it's a deal that significantly improves the margins at a position that maybe they don't need to improve on, but let's get that back in the lineup and worry about the defence and how everyone fits in together later in the season. I love it. Makes a lot of sense. Like that is, it's a great fit. Like we said at, at the top when we got into the A's, like their window is closed. They're looking to sell off some pieces and, you know, Chapman is one of, if not the most valuable piece they have. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, they'll just look to acquire some prospects. So as, as a trade partner, it fits. We've obviously done some deals recently, um, most recent at the deadline. Like you said, plug Chapman at third base. There's no one better than him. Put BA in right field if you need to, or do something different. BA's above average in right field anyway. Put Jesus wherever, you know, I don't know, work it out later. If everyone's healthy, you've got a problem. When there's people hurt, you've got the depth. It goes back to it. It's not just about, you know, one to nine, what have you got? I love that. I love that package. I think those names you mentioned, Cabrera and Nunez, were the similar names that I used in the Mullins deal, if I recall. So, um, you know, we're thinking along the same lines there. It makes a lot of sense. Like in reality, the Orioles, the A's will be in kind of similar spots. They've got elite dudes and there's really no need for them because their window has, has, has evaporated. Um, well, the Orioles, I'm not sure when it was last open, to be honest, but nevertheless, um, love that one. I also, I, I've gone for probably their, maybe their second most valuable guy. And this is just straight up addresses um, the outfield. I've spoke about him on the, uh, the outfield pod. I spoke about him with Aram Layton as well. Uh, we talked about him, but it's Ramon Laureano, obviously, uh, was a name that was infamous in 2021, primarily because he was suspended for 80 games. He had the Paul Campbell treatment. Um, and But listen, Ramon Laureano is he's a legit and an above-average outfielder, center fielder. Ticks a lot of boxes there. Um, three years of control remaining on him. So, listen, he's played there. You know, I guess the Marlins would want to dig into the PED situation clearly before, you know, and try to understand that as best they could. Uh, whether that be feasible, I don't know. But he is above average in the field. He's above average with the bat. Three years of control. PEDs, yes, but dig into that. Maybe that helps to discount it. I don't know. The A's need to sell. Um, I think Ramon Laureano is a real nice fit for the Marlins, actually. I, when I look at the profile, I think of a Starling Marte, a kind of Starling Marte type player, but a little bit more pop, maybe. A touch more pop. Maybe a touch less base stealing, but that might just be uh, green lights. I don't know. But Ramon Laureano, I think, is a real nice fit. So it's going to be expensive because you've got three years of control. But I, I think there is, you know, the PEDs does help in, in some sense. And I think the package going back, I think we'll start with JJ Bladey. So it's a Bladey. Then you've got Gerard Encarnacion, who's on the 40 man, by the way. So Encarnacion was added last year to the 40 man. Uh, so kind of thinking back to where you were talking about Devers, how the clock has started. And I mean, Encarnacion's a little bit older than Devers, clearly, but uh, he's on the 40 man. This will, you know, next year will be his second option year. You know, it starts to get into, you know, roster crunch territory. So I think they move on Encarnacion, big time power bat, I guess. Didn't really have a great 2021, but I think could be, could be a major league starter. At potentially a DH, potentially an out corner outfielder, potentially first base. I know they were looking at him there. Um, and the other guy I'm going to add in is George Soriano, um, kind of still a top 30 arm for the Marlins. Um, so effectively, you've got JJ Bladey headline in it, and then two kind of upside guys in there. One included is uh, Encarnacion that is on the 40 man. So it helps to clear that spot too, um, which uh, would, will be necessary to, to get Ramon on there. So yeah, there you go. That's my one. I, either way with the A's for either of them two dudes, I think it makes a ton of sense. If they're upgrades, um, they're going to be expensive because they're, they're very good players. 
Um, but yeah, I like the look. What, what's your thoughts on the Ramon Laureano one? No, I think I think he would have been the second player I'm looking at. As both yeah. said, the the team is is looking to rebuild, or at least there should be, and and they are the one A and one B players on on the lineup. I I genuinely think both players won't be on the that on that roster come June July, you know, and it's a case of which team comes in with the best offer. Yeah, um, I think both the trades that we we, we have projected are deals that could get it done. Okay, well, before we transition across to the Mariners and then the Rangers, which both should be very interesting conversations, I will tell you about our guys at Bet Online and Bet Online AG. They have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the college ball season and the pro football playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50%, that's 5050% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on. It's all one word locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, then, Sean, let's round off. Two teams to go. Two teams, two very interesting teams for different reasons. We're going to start with the, alphabetically, the Seattle Mariners, I guess. (laughs) I I had a bit of a panic on my alphabet then. Um, It is pretty late as we record this, but uh, nevertheless, Seattle Mariners, they were surprising last year. Uh, they had a they had a great year. Um, they have a lot of prospects that were they were progressing through some really exciting prospects too um, that we got got to saw you know see a little bit of in in twenty twenty one. So Mariners, how are you feeling with them as a as a fit for the Marlins? So uh, yeah, I think there's some interesting fits for for the Marlins as far as with Mariners. So I said already, I think the Astros are the cream of the crop as far as this division. I think the Mariners are probably the second team there. So I think Oakland are ready to blow it up. um, We'll speak about the Texas in a minute and my opinion on them. I think the Angels, they're so difficult to project. You know, you've got Trout, who might be the best hitter in baseball. You've got Otani, who might be the best baseball player in the league. But there isn't that pitching depth. I just don't see a way that they're ready to compete. So I think the Mariners realistically could be in a similar situation to the Marlins, as in they are all in. And so the fit I've tried to see, and again, as with most teams in baseball, they're looking for starting pitching. Now they've got some really nice guys that are close, really, really close. So if I'm a Mar- if I'm the Mariner leadership, do I? wait for those guys to come through or do I use some of them to try and force the issue and get major league pitching now so they've got a guy who is a third prospect Hancock who is he looks great got upper 90s fastball an elite slider a pretty good change up again Marlins can work on that and make that another elite pitch pitched in high A double A last year so he's not quite ready for, for coming up to the majors and being ready for the team. So is he available, potentially? Now, I've already said that I want to try and avoid using the same guy again and again and again. But I'm sorry, but Lazardo is in this trade again. <laughs> he is a, he's a major league starter. He is a guy that the Mariners can plug in as a number three, number four guy. And that might be enough to push them over over the edge and get them into winning the division. Is he enough to get Hancock? Maybe not. Might have to add a bit here or a bit there as far as, you know, mid to low tier really, uh, prospects. But I think that the Mariners really should be looking at improving their major league 
abilities. And again, the Marlins should be doing the same, but they've got so much depth in, in that starting pitching. Why not use a guy that has a moderate tier of, of, of talent and go and get a guy that's a little bit further behind but is clearly a, a far, far upgrade as far as starting pitching? I think it's a good mix. I think the, the, the way I've tried to construct this deal is in that sense of what would improve the Mariners now, not in the future. And as I said, I'm trying to look at it as I'm I'm the I'm running the other team, not so much the Marlins, because otherwise the deals get a bit lopsided. I think that deal genuinely improves the Marlins for 2022, and I don't think it hurts the Marlins too much. As far as um, but they upgrade for the future window. Yeah, I understand. Effectively, you're you're trading backwards in time. You're taking a guy that may be better than Eliezer, but he won't, he's not available now. So that's the that's the offset. It's you give us a guy that has a higher ceiling, but won't be helping you right now when your window is perhaps open. And it absolutely is for the Mariners. It should be like it's not clear where the Astros go. Um, it isn't like Carlos Correa was a big part of that team, too. And so if they can't fill that void. That will create a void for them, and it'd be interesting to see. And you know what it's like. You're like they may have kind of had that year where they've bounced back, where fans are in the stands, and first time they're feeling the booze and they're feeding off it, and the booze will grow tiresome. And particularly for guys that weren't ever part of that organization, the booze will be really tiresome, um, and they won't have the the fire of the "Hey, we told you so" or whatever. That won't exist. It'll just be annoying to those guys that are new. So. I'm intrigued. I, I, you know, the Mariners, I see it exactly the same as you, mate. I was thinking exactly the same, but I was thinking, I was thinking two arms of the Marlins. I was thinking whether, and Lozado also. So we've all, we both thought the same, Lozado and Eliezer. So I was giving them two major league starters, but in return, we want the shortstop number while well, he's he's around a top 10 overall prospect of noel noel v Marte. so i'm going big big time prospect shortstop looks a stud an absolute stud and we're going to give you two arms to help you contend now that's that's going to really hurt the marlins this year though that's that's the point but you know, it's one of those, we're just looking at this, what's going to be the best fit for these two teams at this moment in time? Perhaps the Marlins trade from that depth, go and get a blue chipper, perhaps, and have them sat there. Because the Marlins haven't really had any blue chip hitting prospects. I don't think, well, they haven't had one for a long time. Blade was maybe as close, but Blade wasn't a blue chip guy. Like, I wouldn't describe him as that. There's guys around the league that have been you know, top 10 guys never know. These are like, you know, nailed on prospects. I don't think Blade was ever talked about being nailed on. I wouldn't say that. I think it was felt that he would progress quickly. And that's why we all got shocked when he didn't hit the ground running. We're like, whoa, whoa, what's up with JJ Blade? And then all of a sudden he turns the corner. I think those were Kim Ang's words. He turns the corner, the back end of the year. And then obviously... Um, you know, everyone's back thinking, okay, but the day's good again. <laughs> so I'm going for the Mariners. They get two arms for the Marlins, Lozado, and they get Eliezer, and we get back Marte, their number two prospect, but around about 10 overall. So um, their number one prospect is um, Julio Rodriguez, um, which equally would be nice, but is a no-no, unfortunately. That really would be nice, but yeah, we'd be. I, I, I think he's untouchable. He is untouchable. I don't think I know it. So, yeah, that's my one on the Mariners Marlins. I don't like the feel of that one in some ways, but you know, I look at it and think, I mean, they're trying to move Eliezer. Like, Eliezer's movable. And in reality, so is Lazardo. Like, Lazardo should be movable if you look at it from the through the, the lens of. That's for, for two months of Marte. If you look at it through that lens and go two months of Marte, plus a guy will look at a move for a top 10 prospect overall. 
I mean, if they could get that deal done, I think it would be good. It would. It would be good for the Marlins. It wouldn't be good for 22, perhaps, but be good for the Mariners in 22. So there we go. That was mine. Any last thoughts on the Mariners, Marlins, or the Marte? Well, a Marte in for Lozado uh, deal again. So that's the kind of ripple to that one, right? Yeah, I think I think you know the the, the line of thinking that you've got is is right in that sense of you know we're trying to construct trades with twenty nine other teams, so it's difficult. But if you're looking at the Mariners and you know that they need pitching, those two pitchers, as you said, would improve them. And and the question you've got to ask yourself is, can the Marlins still be, quote, all in and competitive without those arms? And realistically, I think there's a shout. Does that trade look better or feel better in June or July? Maybe especially if, God forbid, the Marlins aren't comp- competitive at that time and the Mariners are, that trade kind of fits a little bit better. Mm. But, you know, as I said, we're, we're trying to fit trades with, with every single team. So sometimes you've got to try and fit what you can, where you can. And I think, that, I think genuinely that trade would work for both teams in certain scenarios in the sense of it would improve the Mariners this year and it would give, as you said, that blue chip middle infield guy for the Marlins for the future. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's I think that's a good fit. I think it's a good point, and maybe that's the key bit to this one is the timing of it. Is this something that would happen later in the year if the Mariners are back in the mix? The Marlins, it hasn't gone well this year again, and they're back to that situation. They think, you know what? Our other arms are coming through as well. You know, it is the time to move on, Eliezer and, and, and Lazardo, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, Lazardo could be having a, a Cy Young, you know, year for for all we know. I mean, in 22, it's it's possible. It, well, it's not impossible, but <laughs> it would be a welcome surprise if that was the case. Anyway, let's not dwell on that too much. It's 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 tough when you've got these win now teams looking for pitching um and but equally they're not looking to give much away because they're all young untouchable dudes i guess the other thing for the mariners that is in the news clear they do need a third baseman so that's the other thing to call out as well because uh, i don't know if you saw but mitch hanniger uh i believe announces no sorry it wasn't mitch hanniger who retired um seager carl seager yeah that's who i was thinking of not mitch hanniger so they do need they there is I guess some requirement there at third base is there I don't know <laughs> but I don't know let's stick with where we're at let's finish up on the Rangers then mate let's finish this AL strong with the with the Texas Rangers and oh boy oh boy I'm not sure what's happening. Uh, in Texas. What I do know is they moved to a new ballpark a few years ago and they've been terrible since. Um, The ballpark looks lovely, by the way, that's for sure. But they've effectively been tanking at least for a year. And then all of a sudden this offseason, they made two, not one, but two huge splashes um, with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. So What's going on? I guess the Rangers must be in buy mode then, right? They must be looking to add. They've got no pitching for what I can see. So maybe this is an interesting opportunity for the Marlins. But how do you see this one, Sean? So I really tried. Like, so we spoke in the other episodes about struggling with the Yankees as far as, far as trying to find a fit between the Marlins and, and Yankees. And we both did in the end, and I, I quite like the idea of both of the trades that we, we thought of. I just don't see anything with Texas. <laughs> I, I wrote something down. I wrote, and I'm going to steal one of your lines, Peter. I wrote, oh boy. Because I just, seriously, what are the Rangers doing? Yeah. I really don't know. So as you said, they've just signed Simeon and they signed Seager, and they're monstrous deals. They're eight, ten years plus deals, thirty million a year. But 
the lineup, the rest of the lineup is dross. Mm. The rotation is uninspiring, and the bullpen is meh at best. I really don't see the 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 Rangers competing in 22, 23, no. 24, 25, because there's there's no prospects, there's no conveyor belt of prospects like the Marlins have. I think realistically, over the next four years, the Rangers could finish below 500 every year. And over that period of time, they'll have spent on Seager and Semyon quarter of a billion dollars to, to finish below 500. I just do not see what they are doing. I don't see a fit for a trade for the Marlins, and I don't see what they are doing. Oh boy, that does not sound good. So, in summary, then, it's that badly mismanaged right now that there is no real fit because the direction is so unclear to you that, I mean, if they want to take on money, who's our biggest, I mean, our biggest contract other than Sandy is Miggy or Bass. The Bass Man is the third. Highest paid dude, I guess. Um, uh, you know, Aguilar, perhaps. Maybe, maybe they send Aguilar. They want to p- spend some money, but I don't know. I mean, it's a real, it's a real head scratcher. The the Rangers. I mean, maybe this is one of those. We're doing this on, you know, on New Year's Eve. You know, it's possible as we go into twenty two, you know, they make some more moves and things start to become clearer about what they're doing. But there's no pitch in there. So, but the problem is. There's nothing of value elsewhere that much. I mean, the only guy, so, you know, not to round this off on a downer, but, you know, again, this is a tough fit because they kind of look like they're going all in, but they haven't got anything to go all in with other than these two dudes for a quarter of a billion or whatever. So weird situation. The only dude I could spot was this Adolis Garcia that, you know, could come in and play center field. Um, you know, perhaps... I mean, he's he's, you know, he's not in arbitration yet, so he's got four years of control. So you know, there is that. Um, you know, he's he's like a three-war type player. Um, so he's not he's not terrible, but again, if you've just got these dudes in and they're big big dough, surely you're going to want to keep hold of you know league minimum guys that are producing three war, like surely you're going to, because what's the alternative? You've got to go back out of free agency and spend more money. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm like you, I really struggle with the Texas Rangers. So listen, let's just call it what it is. Let's just say there is no trade to be made. There isn't Rangers and Marlins, no trade. I mean, I would love it now if something major, I mean, there's, there isn't anything major that could drop, but um you know, I mean, is there anything in the bullpen? Have the Rangers got anything in the pen that could help us? Maybe that's the way we could do this. Um, I don't know. I don't think they have. I'm just looking now. They, they haven't got anything in the pen either. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Well, I think that what a way to end it on a trade that we couldn't make because it was just so, it was an impossible trade partner. So, I do think there is a need. That's the funny thing. Like they do have a need for some Marlins pitching, but I'm just not seeing the return right now. I think that's the problem. Maybe it's just, we don't understand the Rangers system enough. It's possible. So if any Rangers fans are listening, which is far fetched, uh, considering this is locked on Marlins, but if there is, please do let me know if you can see a fit. Is there, is there a prospect or two that you think could well fit the brief to go out and acquire a major league arm that can help you and these other guys. And maybe the thing is, the way I look at the Rangers is, if the team isn't ready at all now, they haven't added Seager and Simeon to win now, this year. I think they've added them in these long-term deals. They've gone, do you know what? We like these two guys. We're going to go and get them. And in two years' time, we'll have a contender. Maybe some prospects will come through. We'll make some other trades and, and you know sign some more free agents. Maybe. Or maybe these deals are ways of appeasing the fans perhaps you've got this brand new ballpark you can't continue to tank what about you know the marlins when they built their ballpark you got all the fans come they all came year one 
Then they tore it down. Next thing is the fan base went away and it's never come back. So maybe the Rangers are going for the anti-Marlins method of let's put some sexy free agents on there, show that we're spending some money, make sure the fans renew their season tickets. Maybe that's what it's about. I don't know. I don't know. But that is that is it, Sean. We've made it through the AL. Um, we have put forward, well, actually, you put forward two for the first. So actually, you've put forward 15 proposals, and I've only put forward 14. Um, I Maybe after the fact, I'll think of one. But that is it. There's 29 trade proposals submitted with the Marlins in every AL team. And the one thing that we know, the one backdrop that we have got, is that Craig Mish called out to us um, on Locked on Marlins last week or the week before to say an AL team. Blockbuster with an AL team. So the question is, Sean, is whether we are anywhere near close to getting anyone at all in this in this blockbuster if it does drop. So whew, that's us done, buddy. How... In summary, how did you find the AL and dig deep diving into these uh, different teams and divisions? As I said before, it was a lot of fun. And the really interesting thing was looking at teams with, with a different set of eyes. Was mm. that what do I want from that team as a Marlins fan? It was if I were a fan of that team or if I were running that team, what would I be looking to do? And what would I be looking at the Marlins for? To improve the team, and 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 doing that really does sort of make you see teams in a different light. And and as you said, we've created trades for <laughs> every team but Texas because it's just I don't understand what they're doing. And as you said, wouldn't it be perfect if the one thing that comes from this is that the Marlins trade with Texas? Yeah, it's nailed on, isn't it? It's absolutely nailed on now. The the Rangers, we've missed something, but it's possible. I mean, and we, we have to call this out. We said at the top of this show, the West, the AL West, has the least eyeballs on from a UK Marlins fan. I can testify to that. Um, so there are probably things we've missed. We don't know the AL West that well at the major league level or the minor league level, probably. So, But nevertheless, the Rangers, it, it looks... It's unclear what their future may hold. But, you know, in a few months' time, once the lockout is unlocked, uh, maybe things will become clearer. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Okay, that is us done and dusted with the AL and our trade proposals. That is three episodes in in the mini series, And we are back, myself and Sean Barra, back next week uh, for all of the NL, starting out West as well. Uh, coming over to the Central and then finishing up in the East. So stay tuned. Keep those eyeballs ready and locked on. We are going to be back next week with the the NL. Sean Barrett, thank you for your time, your proposals this week. And, uh, well, we'll speak again next week. 